Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. everybody this is this is where we get to leap forward everybody leap up this morning <laughs> thanks thank you so much worship team yeah leaping forward all right um, I have uh, I'm gonna kind of um, carry on talking about um, where we where we started last week gonna do a little review of that I feel we, we need to, uh, <clears throat> I need to keep getting this deeper and deeper into my, my own walk, my own daily um, thought processes. <clears throat> um, we, um, we faced a lot of crises this past few years, and I'm not sure if we know exactly the impact that's had on us, on our thinking. <clears throat> And, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, in our lifestyle, I think one of the primary reasons or causes of uh, trauma and stress in our life is that um, we can see a tragedy take place in real time on the other side of the world. Uh, when I was growing up, you know, we couldn't, it took like, like long time before you, I mean, we only had two news channels. But you can actually watch something that takes place in, on the other side of the world instantly. And our ability to process that, um, I, don't think, I don't think we have the capacities to process uh, outside traumas that are taking place at such a rapid rate. Uh, you can watch a missile hit a target on the other side of the world and see people... Uh, incinerated, like th- that's just staggering. Because uh, in many of our lives, especially, I mean, maybe back in the day, um, the worst thing we probably seen was like you know a kid falling off the monkey bars, getting a bloody nose or something. <clears throat> but our our current rate of information that goes into our brains that we have to try and process um, is super high. And I think that's a contributing factor to the stress that we face. I want to talk about trauma, stress, and shame again. I feel like it just keeps coming back to those uh, specific uh, topics for me. Um, Do you know, excuse me, I'll I'll sort it out in a minute. Once I get yelling at you. Um, Excuse me, in in crisis, it's very easy for us to doubt. Like one of the greatest... Arguably, Jesus said he's one of the greatest uh, men that ever lived, John the Baptist. He was able to perceive, perceive Jesus on the riverbank and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He knew exactly who he was. He said, they said Is this, are you the one that was promised? He said, I can't even, uh, I'm not even you know, qualified to wear his sandals. That's an interesting thought, hey? Because about seven chapters later, he's in jail. He's in crisis. And what happens in crisis? He doubts. 
Could you just go ask if that's really, is he, is this, is he really the one? Well, he, man, he was the one who announced him. He was the forerunner. He was a fulfillment, right? He was, he was the one. He, and in, a, in that moment of crisis, cousin Jesus all of a sudden looked like cousin Jesus rather than Messiah. When we end up in crisis environments, we doubt the revelation that we had of God earlier in our life. When we get traumatized or we get filled with guilt or contempt or shame, uh, or we see situations that are unjust or we go through unjust situations, we start to wonder, is he really our deliverer? Can he really get me out of this? When we're imprisoned, whether it's our own thoughts or our experiences, we get in a prison, will he really deliver me? Is he really the one? I'm here to try to lift some of that today, and uh, I want to see if I can help you all to figure out what happens and some of the physiological effects and psychological effects that that take place within our bodies. It was last night Kelly tried to trick me into thinking it was an hour later. (laughs) Anybody anybody else do that? They set the their clocks ahead an hour so that you think your body is going to... Your body didn't catch up. Mine didn't. But, but, here, but that's kind of, kind of what I'm referring to here. Your body will tell the truth eventually. And so, okay, so it's an hour, whatever. A bit of stress. But, um, but we are not one part. We are three parts. We are spirit, soul, and body. Uh, scripture tells us that a threefold cord is not easily broken. When those three are not in sync and they're not integrated together, we feel disintegrated. And the three need to come into line. And, and this isn't a, this is such an interesting, I love watching what's happening in the Orthodox Church currently. <clears throat> well, I, don't, I like seeing what God is doing because great revival is taking place in Russia and the Ukraine right now. You may not get to see that on mainstream television, but it's going on at an incredible rate. Uh, some of our pastors are sending pictures of baptizing people all night in their bathtubs because they can't meet corporately. But, boy, the hunger for truth is so high. And there's an interesting uh, image. I don't know what your image of Jesus is specifically, but uh, let me just say this in a very kind way. It's probably inaccurate. Your best, best, your best picture I don't know if anybody's seen that picture. Everybody had that picture of Jesus. It was in a Sunday school room of ours where like his heart was exposed. It's, just, it's gross. Heart on the outside and like it's, oh, I know it's meant to be, I know what they're trying to say. Um, um, but you know, that long, beautiful, flowing hair. Did he really have long hair? I don't know. Isaiah says that he, was, he wasn't, his, his, his countenance was unbecoming. Um, there's a picture in the Orthodox Church. One of the images they have of Jesus is him. Uh, it looks like Jesus with a wand. Have you ever seen that? I mean, it's probably a scepter. It's probably something, you know, religiously significant. Here's, here, here's my um, two bits. I think that it's very easy for us to think of Jesus with a wand. You've been to Disneyland. That's what the fairy godmother carries. But you have Jesus in you. He's not out there with a wand. I'm going to make some declarations over your life today. Um, 
that it's up to you to take them and live them out. I don't have fairy dust and I don't have a wand. But if I can help peel back a lie of who Jesus is and who he can be to you in this season, you'll be able to leave here not needing a holy man to sprinkle water or dust or whatever on you, but you'll be able to rise up to the child of God that you've been called and created to be. And what we'll do on that night when we're going to pray for healing, I'm actually going to pray that you be healers just to scare you off a little bit because you've got the healer in you. I'm not going to do it all. I'm going to empower you to do it. So, so show up and let's have some fun. Let me talk about the, um, the chemical reactions to trauma, what happens when, when we get information into, uh, and it starts to feed into us Chemical reactions take place within our bodies almost instantly. We were watching a movie uh, program last night around the world in 80 days. It's a lot of fun. Boy, Phineas Fogg gets into some problems. And before you know it, I was like on the edge of my seat. I was, and, and, you know, I'm getting a bit nervous. Is he going to make it out? And pretty soon my palms are sweating. And you, right? Because there's a chemical reaction to information that comes into our bodies. Um, there's psychological impact that takes place sorry, physiological impacts that take place during stress. Uh, Our adrenal glands that just sit on top of our kidneys start to shoot adrenaline, cortisol, and epinephrine into our system. And chemical reactions start happening without you, subconsciously. You don't don't say, I think this is, I'm going to now start to feel stressed out. You don't don't have a say in that. Your Your brain actually is doing that. And so if that's happening, and this, this happens in stress, stressful situations, uh, metabolism gets impacted, which is why chronically stressed people often gain weight. They don't realize that what their glands are doing is they're shooting glucose into their system, and their metabolism is now impaired. If you live, so to be stressed in a moment, right? You see a policeman in a playground, and you're going too fast, and you all of a sudden get a little dizzy moment, and you snap to it. Travis, that's happened to you a lot, I can tell. Yeah, you're guilty. I see that hand. So... But what happens is your body can handle temporary stress, no problem, very quickly, and get over it very quickly. But there's three different types of stress that, take, that happen in our body. One, one is acute stress, one is occasional stress, and the other is chronic stress. So when you carry stress in your body any longer than like, like a day or two, it begins to impact you on a really negative level. And I want to just talk about helping you cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you and not live in a place. And you may not even know that you're stressed. The American Psychological Association of America, their findings were that over 70% of Americans live in, in chronic stress. It's not just, the, it's not just the, the commute to work. It's other things that are impacting our life. Will I make, be able to make my payment this week? Are the kids going to be okay? Is the world going to, is it coming to an end? Are we right? But Jesus came to announce, this is <clears throat> one of his purposes, was to announce the great reset. <laughs> so he said there's going to be a time when everything, that, and, he, and he set this up, put it into the system. That every 49 years, the 50th year would be a year of jubilee. Everybody goes free. All debts are paid. All slaves are released from prison. 
It's the reset, and you get to start again. All that land, the original land, maybe you made a bad deal. Maybe you were in a poker game and lost the home quarter or whatever. It all goes back. It's wonderful. And you know what we're, What Jesus said? He said, I'm actually going to announce that. And, I'm, and, and because he's in you, you and I can announce that with integrity, that the year Jubilee is here. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 4. Well, actually, I'm going to read from Isaiah 61 first. Because I'm going to pray this over people again. Was last, last week helpful for anybody? Did it help? I'm, I'm, going to do, uh, I'm going to read this again. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. Those are the same. When the Lord is upon you, you're anointed. When you're anointed, the spirit of the Lord is upon you for a purpose. One of those purposes is to bring good news to the poor. You can interpret that any way you want. But it's interesting to me that when you look through the people that he uh, touched, it was not the rich and the famous. He went to those that needed a physician and needed a doctor, the poor. He sent me to bind up brokenhearted ones, to proclaim liberty to captives. For some of us, we don't even realize that we're in prisons. Some of them are mental prisons. They're feedback loops that we play over and over. And over. You're not good enough. You're never going to make it. You're just gonna, this season is never going to change. Wah, 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 all of that stuff. We'll talk about that. The opening of prison to those that are bound and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. Anybody went through any loss this year? The Holy Spirit is present to comfort you. You can turn to other things for comfort, but they actually won't satisfy. I'm not sure what you do for comfort. I know what some of my temptations are, and, I, and in that moment, I know it's the invitation to reach out to the Holy Spirit to comfort me. Have you ever been comforted? from lost by the Holy Spirit. He's present to do that. And it says, and also to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. He said, I'm going to change your identity from what was lost, and you're going to look like something beautiful. Beauty for ashes. It's an exchange, the divine exchange. The oil of gladness for mourning and a garment of praise instead of faint, a faint spirit. There's three times in here, he, he, in, in um, the New King James, that he describes things as spirits. One was a spirit of despair. And, um, and, you know, in the New Testament, he labels fear as a spirit. We're meant to be guided by the Holy Spirit and submit to him. But we can get trapped through these entrance points of trauma or stress. Garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he would be glorified. Oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Um, I'd, I'd like to talk about that just a little bit more. That, that I mean, maybe it's not a compliment to compare yourself to a tree. However, the oak, an oak of righteousness, of course, like that's a pretty noble tree. You weren't compared to like, you know, a wimpy red willow or something. You're like an oak, solid and strong. And you're meant to, yeah, provide some shelter for others. And uh, perhaps, you know, a windbreak. But we're also, on every tree, there's always within itself the ability to reproduce itself. So within each of us, we're meant to have fruit that remains. When the Lord plants us, we let our roots go down into the waters of life. And we're meant to not just become that which shelters others, but reproduce ourselves in others. That process is called discipleship. So Jesus would do the same thing. He would, he would declare the same thing. And this is, this is intriguing to me where it's placed in Scripture because right after his identity was challenged in the wilderness, the devil's in the wilderness. Um, we've been through a wilderness. 
devil was in the wilderness. Um, and what he was doing is he was challenging Jesus' identity. Well, if you're really the son of God. And so then, so Jesus hadn't done anything miraculous yet, like really miraculous, um, other than destroy the lives of the enemy. It says when he went back to Galilee, it was filled with the Holy Spirit's power. When the season of wilderness is over, we come out in the power of the Spirit. But in the wilderness, this enemy is there, and he tempts us with stuff. I want to talk about his weapons <clears throat> in a moment. And then right after that, he comes into the village of Nazareth, his, boy home, uh, his boyhood home, and he went as usual to the synagogue. He, he went as usual, as was, their habit, as was his habit. Jesus every day, every week would regularly gather with others in the synagogue every week. Every week he'd show up. At that point, he didn't, people didn't have Bibles, but the scrolls were at the, at the church every week, as usual. Gosh, I sure have a, I have a, I have a, <clears throat> I have a bone to pick with culture, thinking people can stay home from gathering together. And even the more so we're to gather together as we're getting closer to his return, even more so. Amen. Just saying. Just, just about ready to preach that, but not... <clears throat> not quite this time, the synagogue, and he stood up to read the scriptures, and he, and he went to the scroll that contained his name, Isaiah, said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I just love this, and I want to talk about this because um, um, I, I think that um, the Lord wants to set at liberty some who are bound, and he wants to bind up some brokenhearted people today. Um, you're going to ask me before I, I close because um, I'm going to confront certain lifestyles that we have, and you're going to ask me what, how I deal with that. And uh, I'm going to tell you just along the way. It's not quite time yet. Just along the way, I'll tell you that. We tried to define how life is traumatizing, sin's traumatizing, the world is traumatizing. And when information gets translated to emotion, it becomes an enemy that goes places and it gets stored within ourselves. I don't know if any of you read um, Carolyn Leaf's book on um, something about the brain. Um, that one. And uh, what a great, she, she makes an, a really, really sharp statement in there. And she says this. She says, uh, darkness can't be measured. Only light can be measured. Isn't that interesting? You can't measure darkness. But here's what happens when a lie comes into our consciousness. It's, tra it's translated into electromagnetic charges. And it now becomes an energy that's measurable. Do you know that the Bible says that faith is a substance? I'm going to say something else. Light is a substance. Darkness isn't because it's lies. We're people of light. And our role is to take a stand in a place of darkness and allow the light to displace any darkness within our bodies. Spirit, soul, and body. <clears throat> um, I, I mentioned the theology of neurology last week. I'll, I'll say a bit more about it. Um, we taught on how knowing what's, what's happening within us helps us partner with the process of overcoming trauma and praying with the understanding and declaring over our neurology healing. I talked about basic symptoms result in loss of sleep, insomnia, triggers... Uh, to our sense of short-term memory, anxiety as such. But when we, when we invoke Isaiah 61, all of a sudden something changes 
because we get the opportunity to partner with heaven to allow the Lord to come and set at liberty everybody that's bound. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a great privilege for us. Uh, the battle is very real, but the battle is not physical. But, it, we're, our, our, but physically, we are impacted by invisible things. Uh, help me, Holy Spirit, try and explain this. I want to rewind a bit and see the tactics of the enemy back in Genesis chapter 3. Okay, so we've got an unemployed cherub. And he's, he knows the, the cost of disobeying, and so it says that he was more shrewd than all the other animals. That's interesting to me. What's he going to do? He's going to bring out the big guns, the most strategic guns, these big military weapons, and he's going to take down Adam and Eve. But he's got a strategy, and he still uses the same strategy. What, what did he do? Did he come as an alpha grizzly? Why? Because he doesn't have power. He didn't show up as a Tyrannosaurus Rex and just bulldoze his way into the garden. What did he do? Listen to me. This is, because this is the trick and this is the trap. What did he do? He used words that turned into thoughts that got believed, that became emotions, and the whole thing unraveled from there. Um, he was more crafty. It's interesting that he didn't make an announcement. The anointed cherub arrives. He just sneaks in with a little, did God really say? <laughs> did God really say? <laughs> it doesn't make an announcement. But, is, but, but, but remember, from John chapter 8, what it says, who he is. His native tongue is what? Lies. His native tongue is lies. We've all heard them, and we've all believed them. At, at, what po- at which point we become captive, imprisoned. Real things happened at that point, physiologically, neuro- neurologically, psychologically, and spiritually. But the solution for finding our freedom in Christ is not to recognize that we are just physical beings. This is, this is, this is humanism. This is all there is. What you, this is all there is. I'm just here to remind you what we're told in Scripture is that we are three parts, two parts which cannot be seen, which are eternal, your soul and your spirit. But that your soul and your spirit impact your physical being. I'm going slow. Uh, Mark chapter 3 and verse 25, it says, When a house is divided against itself, it will not stand. What will happen? It will disintegrate. When one part of you is not integrated with the other parts, the house falls down. Our body's been talked about as temples, right? So when one part is not functioning, are you hearing me? All right. Um, We become vulnerable, we become weak. Our house has three parts. So to overcome in life, there needs to be an integration of all three. They need, there needs to be agreement. When there is agreement between all three, the house becomes impenetrable. 
a threefold court. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3 to 5, I want you just to listen to me as we read it. I didn't give it to the guys at the back. For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. Hold it. Aren't we not just flesh? No. While we walk in the flesh, anybody walk in the flesh? Uh-huh. You got that flesh up this morning. Didn't, it didn't want to agree with you, did it? You got going. And it says that our, while, we, while we walk in the flesh, we don't wage war after the flesh. I want you to notice where you see the devil's name in here. For the weapons of our warfare are not flesh, but, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We, who? We. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Where was the devil's name in there? It was not in there. We have met the enemy. It's us. He's not saying the enemy's any longer coming. He's saying we have arguments against him, against the living Christ, of who we are in Christ. There's imaginations that we have are not in line with the Spirit of God. He's saying our battle, it's not fleshly. It has to do with our thoughts, our emotions. Our, and and, and uh, uh, a guy named Eduardo, I can't quite uh, remember his last name, who is this uh, prof of psychology in Seville, it says life cannot be experienced without emotions. Your emotions are very powerful. And they come from your thoughts. You can begin to feel happy if I told you now you're mortgage-free. Start to feel that. Mm, you get a little happy. It hasn't happened for most of us. But what happened? Your thought became a belief which turned into an emotion. All right. I guess you know that. Um, the great apostle discusses warfare without mentioning the enemy. He talks about engaging our thoughts and our images that are not, when they're not in agreement with the word of God. Our instruction is to be mindful of our mind so, because the battlefield, first and foremost, is in our minds, which is part of our soul. Your mind, emotion, and will is part of your soul. So you picture this. The future of the world is at stake. He's about to make a move on trusting Eve. And his biggest, scariest weapon he pulls out is words. I hope you... Uh, he makes a subtle suggestion to not trust God's word and her identity. It's interesting that she had both of those things that he told her to doubt. You'll be able to know good from evil. She already could. That, that you will be like God. She already was. How many lies have you believed of what you could or couldn't do or who you, or who you are not? that were not based on the truth of God's word, but they're based on a thought that rambled in and now gets played back over and over in your mind. And all of a sudden you feel like you're weak and useless and in, unable and wah, 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 all, the, all of that stuff. Our minds need to be renewed. That's work. And it doesn't happen with a wand. It happens by work. Every day, day in, day out, taking thoughts captive. We put those thoughts in jail where we, they have tried to hold us in jail. <clears throat> our beliefs always precede our behaviors. So she took and agreed with it. She let her mind ponder on it and repeat it. What thoughts do you ponder on and repeat that are not truth? Her heart probably created an image or a picture. That's right. That's, that's right. He's withholding something from me. That's right. God is not good. That's right. God's not going to provide for me. 
that's right, I, I really am not who he says I am. That's right. And what happens, we now, our emotion, our physiology begins to be affected. And before you know it, we start not only agreeing with that lie, but we start acting out that behavior. Um, two more points and a big, long prayer. And I'll be done. She imagined the thoughts. Her experience was both, uh, at that point, was ingratitude. That's right, God, God. Ingratitude is a killer, man. And pride. The picture moves to her, uh, pictures, they move us to emotion. Emotions cause us to act. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 8, it says, our breastplate is faith and love. What's that? Emotions. What's that? What's, what's our breastplate? What covers our heart? Emotion. Let, Lord, let him, let him hear what you're trying to say, not what I'm stumbling through here. Let him hear what you want to say. And it says that hope is a protection. What's hope? It's emotion. The neurology of trauma and, and uh, PTSD. Uh, when people deal with extreme stressful situations, they begin to think like they're losing their mind. And technically, they kind of are. Because your mind disintegrates. Uh, oh, the books. Do you have a picture of the books? Uh, a few of the books. So many people asked me last week, uh, what have you been reading? Um, uh, Gabor Mate, incredible book. It's not a Christian, but gosh, he's smart. Um, Supernatural Freedom from the Captivity of Trauma, uh, forward by Randy Clark. This, uh, people asked if they have copies of my prayer last week. Um, I actually adapted them out of here. Uh, the next, do you have another screen? There should be a couple more books that, I've, that I would recommend you read. And if they're not up there, well, they didn't make it to the... Did they make it, Doug? That's it. I didn't give you more. Uh, okay, I'll bring them next week. The other one I want to talk about just kind of quickly here is Speaking in Tongues, Your Secret Weapon. In this book by Todd Smith, he, he explains uh, uh, what happens neurologically when we, we speak in tongues. And, and they did a test. There's been a number of tests now done on people who pray in the Spirit or worship in the Spirit. A number of tests have been done. And they find that people that speak in tongues uh, for an extended period of time are more emotionally and mentally strong. It's just an interesting sort of a thing. The, um, in the, it was published in the New York Times. And uh, a Dr. Andrew Newberg on speaking in tongues. Contrary to what, many, what may be a common perception, studies suggest that people who speak in tongues rarely, rarely suffer from mental problems. A study of a thousand evangelical Christians in England found that those who engaged in the practice were more emotionally stable than those who did not. Emotional stability may, uh, we may have a secret weapon. You may have it accessible to you. It's called praying in tongues. Um, he went on to say this in another study from Neuroscience Department of uh, Medical School at the University of Pennsylvania. Did a very provocative study, and the overseer was Dr. Andrew Nuremberg, professor of radiology, psychiatry, and adjunct professor of religion and uh, certified in the internal medicine, nuclear medicine, and nuclear cardi cardiology. He said this, is that we noticed a number of changes when, he, when they recorded uh, people praying in tongues, a number of changes that occurred functionally in the brain. Uh, our finding of decreased activity in the frontal lobes during the practice of speaking in tongues is fascinating because these subjects truly believe that the Spirit of God is moving through them and controlling what's being spoken. The frontal lobes uh, do, uh, figure, figure out day-to-day -day operations, <clears throat> thinking, reasoning, planning, managing, problem-solving. 
Um, I'll just say this one more thing. Uh, but for the most part, he says, the scan showed that the frontal lobe, the part of the brain that controls the language, was active when we prayed in English, but for the most part fell quiet when we prayed, when we prayed in tongues. Uh, and then he says this is that in addition, it was revealed that the, while blood flow to the frontal lobes decreased, the activity in the area that controls self-awareness was active. This was interesting because that reveals that the subjects knew what was happening around them and that they were not out of control or in some kind of a mystic trance. He went on to say this, our brain imaging research shows us that the subjects are not in control of the usual language centers. And on ABC News, he went on to say, it's not language, it's not regular language, it's at least that's what the normal activity in the frontal lobe would suggest. These findings could be interpreted, the subject's sense of self being taken over by something else. But scientifically, it's not being taken over by something else because we couldn't see what was taking over and giving them the language. Last point, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 14. Finally, science is backing it up. When I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Uh, we're, we're told that the other thing, thing that happened here, and I'll just quote this then, as we pray in tongue, the brain begins to release two chemical secretions that are directed into our immune systems, giving a 35 to 40% boost to the immune system. He says that uh, at the end, I'll just, uh, I can't quit because he says the hypothalamus is directed, regular, re, it regulates four major parts of our body, the pituitary gland and all the endocrine system, the, to, the total immune system, the entire autonomic system, and the production of brain hormones called endorphins and enkephalums, which are chemicals that the body produces, and they're 100 to 200 times more powerful than morphine. Uh, anybody interested in, like, boosting their immune system and getting like having secretions of things that are 200% more powerful than morphine, just pray in the spirit. The same thing about, about singing in the spirit. Sometimes I'll turn on the music or I'm listening to a song, I'm driving into town and I get, I'm, I'm, I, I, first of all, I, sometimes I can play out praying in tongues, but I hit the music, I put it on and get some music playing and then instead of using that language, I use my prayer language. What, what, if, what if we can reduce our stress by just praying in the Spirit? But Titus would say that when we pray in the Spirit, we build ourselves up. Do you think that's right? Scientifically, it seems to be proven so. All right. Okay. All memories of experiences stay within us. They stay in your limbic system, right? I, I said that last week. The memory center of your brain. Glands next to the amygdala or the amygdala that produces fight-or-flight hormones. Your brain decides if it runs or stays. Uh, Dr. Leaf says that there's no thought enters our mind. Where is that? No thought enters our mind unchecked. Uh, at your, at your, where your spinal cord connects to your brain, right there, it's like a sorting system. What goes where? And in our, in our memory system, if we get put into our memory system, let's say, for example, a trauma happened, uh, worst of all, when you're a child. And when dad came home, uh, there was rage in the, in the house. Uh, what happens then is your, your memory that's lodged in, in, into this limbic system, the, the memory of that, now every time you hear a door slam, your system goes off and it begins to pump hormones through your body, saying you're in danger, you're in danger, you're in danger. I mean, it might have been your brother or your sister, but your body doesn't know that. Your, your brain doesn't know that. It's held captive until it's set free. You, trauma happens on all kinds of levels. All of a sudden... You're, you, you see a, 
you know, a text from your spouse and they've been unfaithful. All of a sudden, you get a note from your boss that you no longer have a job. All of a sudden, you listen to somebody crazy on, um, on YouTube and it's the end of the world. All of a sudden, everything better, 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 better. And you, so if that happens once, you get over it. If it happens continually, your, your body goes into a chronic state of stress, which creates all kinds of complications. Now, <clears throat> I'm, gonna, I'm going to, uh, try, I'm just going to move a little bit quicker here. Uh, but I want, don't want to miss anything. Automatically, you're protected because your right brain carries images of, as memories are presented to them as reality. This can go on as far back as childhood or even in vitro into the womb. In, in the womb, you, the, the message might go to the, the heart of the little baby. It's not safe to come out because it's dangerous. That, that can happen. Problems occur um, when we try to use our memory, but in order to use our memory to remember things after trauma or high-stress situations. After we try to use our memory, it goes through that same portal where the trauma happens, and before you know it, we can't actually get to the good memories. It just stays stuck on the trauma. This is what smarter people than me said. I'm just repeating what they're saying. It's not a mental illness, um, but it's a psychological injury where the hypocamus shrinks and the amygdala stimulates that's connected to your fear response, gets triggered, and this can go on for years, over and over and over. What can happen is that you get increased fear, increased anxiety, your brain's signaling these glands, and, and, and I'm going to pray again for any image of any trauma or stress to be removed, and I'm going to curse the roots of it. Dr. Leaf tells us that we do not have natural circuitry for fear, it's learned. We know that there's no fear in love, right? And we're meant to know and respond to love. Our, our physiology was designed to love. And we also know scientifically and biblically that negative emotions bring negative physical responses and vice versa. Positive, positive uh, emotions bring positive physical responses. My last point. Stress. Uh, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, or chemical. Stress is, is an inward response to pressures of worry or stimulus that causes disruptions in our life. Stress knocks out our body. It throws it out of balance. Each, each time, each type of these, of these stresses or these uh, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, chemical, each type set off 1,400 chemical reactions that produce 30 hormone and neurotransmitters. Stress resp responds that, uh, trigger, that triggers you to say it's an, it's an emergency, which is fine if it only happens once. But, but if it happens for a year or more, 30 days or more, your body will start to react negatively. If you keep your body in constant stress, it, you're keeping it from healing. It's like, it's like, it's like if a country spends 98% of its budget on defense and nothing on the health of the people. You're always on defense. Um, so your body wants to know, am I okay? Is it safe? Is there still, is there still a threat? Uh, don't stress over being stressed. I'm just going to pray for us in a second. I'll have the band come on back up. No, because you, because you wonder, yeah, how much stress am I carrying? When my, when I, I said last week when my, about the doctor, he said, in your blood, you got way too much cortisol. Are you like, um, you know, you have a stressful job or anything? I said, well, I just went through a building program of $12 million dollars. Yeah, that might do it. The thing is, after that was over, my body kept thinking, got to raise another million dollars, got to raise another million dollars. 
So, so you know what the, Jesus said this, or actually the Lord said this. He said, uh, you're, you're good to stay under some pressure for six days a week, but one, leave it for me and restore and recharge. What happens when we break that rule of keeping one day sacred? Well, your body will catch up with you, and it'll tell you. And for many of us, it's, it gets harder and harder to disconnect because the images keep coming up on our social media feeds. Probably would be a good thing one day a week you stop that too. Um, I'm going to pray for a few things now in closing. <clears throat> and I, I think I covered probably too much there, but I want to help us get an understanding of what takes place. Uh, one of the really helpful things for me in replacing the lies with truth is I put on a little bit of quiet music. Um, Kelly doesn't like it. says, are the birds playing again? I said, yeah, oh, they're playing again. I play nature music. <laughs> birds again. But what it does is your body um, um, will, will stay in a beta state of, of, of always processing logically until it can move into an alpha state where you're open now to other, other source of information. Right? This is what can happen in worship. You can actually, your, your body, and by, by the way, children stay in an alpha state until they're about 12 years old. Uh, the, the, that big monster that's under the bed, it's very real to them because they're in that state where they're very impressionable. After, after that, when they turn 14, of course, there's no hope after that. Well, they get logical, and school makes them do that as well. Tells you what you can and can't do. We need to dream again. We need to get in a quiet state, quiet ourselves. Be still and know. Be still. No, he's Jaira to be still. And once I get in that state, honestly, I have to work at this because I get active once I wake up mentally. Once I get in that state, then I ask the Holy Spirit, okay, so now light. Because in my spirit, I'm, I, I have the spirit of Christ and he's light. But my mind's been working all night. Sometimes, not, sometimes good, sometimes not good. Your mind never sleeps. <clears throat> so then I get really quiet and I say, okay, Holy Spirit, I give you permission to go all through my life. Was there any trauma? Was there any disorder? Was there any? And you need to be really open because you'll, a, a picture will come up in your mind and you'll see a thing that happened at school and you go, just a thing at school. Yeah, yeah, the enemy would like you to think it doesn't mean anything. But all of a sudden you find that your blood sugars are out of whack and you wonder, why is that? Well, for the last 20 years, you've carried stress in your pancreas because they, it finds an organ. It, energy, it goes someplace. For me, the thing is, because this is a, our main energy center in our body, for me, I get a real knot right here. And so I have to do a few things to remove the knot. But first of all, I have to remember that in me is the Prince of Peace. Stress, what are you doing in my body? You have no right. To, yeah, but this has happened. This I'll just shut up for a minute. Peace start to rise up within me. And you know what can happen? Not instantly, but in pretty soon, I'll start to get the emotion of peace. But it came from a, a, what I was believing. So now I gotta change my, I gotta rewire my brain. And then I ask to empower the gifts of the Spirit, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. I'll say, okay, Lord, what do I need to do with that? And I'll invite Jesus, literally Jesus, not Jesus with a wand, Jesus the mighty warrior, Jesus the great physician. I say, okay, now go to that place. What do we need to do, Lord? This is now warfare because I'm bringing thoughts and imaginations into the obedience of Christ. It's work. Doesn't just happen. Reading one scripture, 
jumping in your car and going off to work and listening to all the terror that's taking place in the world. You've got to be still. And you have to invite Jesus. And, and, and in this process, you've got to be so aware that he's there to liberate you. And then usually what I have to do is say, Lord, forgive me for allowing that thought, that lie, to take place in my heart where you, I should have had a truth from your word. So then I'll try to think, I'll ask him to quicken a word to me. And then I begin to live in that place. Ah, it's one thing to read when he says, my peace I give to you. It's another thing in a place of quietness and meditation that he comes to me, my peace I give to you. No, it's gone. This, is, this, is, this isn't coming to an altar for prayer. It's getting on your knees. It's getting quiet and believing that who God is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Um, and then I pray in the Spirit as much as I can. I'm going to pray over people now. So I want you all to stand. Give them the lights, please. Again, it's a little bit of a trick to get your, the brain waves in a different state. Do you know that your brain, uh, even looking up, is a different, it'll change some of the way that your brain waves work. Just looking up, it can change it. Uh, I'm going to pray over people that um, have recurring images from a current situation in their life. Sorry, a, a past situation in their life and I'm going to pray for liberty and freedom for them not to be bound by that any longer I'm going to pray for past experiences that we have repeated in our mind to be replaced with truths from God's word if you're on, online at home I want you to, you don't need to pray you just need to agree and I, need, and I just need us to engage faith as I'm praying um if you want, when I pray for brokenhearted, you can put your hands over your heart. When I'm praying for your brain, you can put your hands on your head. I do that. Just call me weird, but I need help. And I'm just going to declare today that your past can no longer keep you prisoner. No, I, I believe this with all my heart. <clears throat> Father, Father now, The Lord says, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. It's plan to, plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Right now, by the power of the blood of Jesus, I welcome the Holy Spirit to come. Just come upon you as comforter and helper and healer and deliverer. I declare the forgiveness of God in Jesus' name, no matter what you've done or what has been done to you. Or you are free and no longer defined by your history. You are now defined by who God calls you to be, which is a beloved child of God. By the power of the blood of Jesus, I break the power of shame that you carry over your life. Any hint or smell of shame, I break off your DNA in Jesus' name. <clears throat> oh. Whatever trauma, stress, concussion, Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. 
If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.